Welcome to the podcast, Who's Got Biz Buzz? This is a platform to give artists at the working class level a space to share their stories, a way for me to catch up with my friends working in the industry, and for people and other artists to feel seen, find connection, and to feel less alone in what they're struggling through and what their passions are. This week on the podcast, I have the amazing Laura Dellis joining me to talk about her story, how she got started in musical theater, how she moved on to acting and doing her own shows. She's incredible. I had such a blast getting to let her take the lead and just share all the stuff that she's probably wanted to say and never been able to say. I feel like she was really misunderstood in school and so being able to give her this platform has just been a real joy. I also just want to preface and say that anyone who went to school with us during the time that our dean was uh, in a position of power and uh, abused several students at our school, I officially just want to say and apologize uh, to the students uh, that I did not protect or stand up for those students at that time. There's no excuse for that. Uh, And I just want to publicly say that because we do talk about those things on the podcast. And after listening to the footage back, I just, I heard that, you know, there was a lack of that in the podcast. So this is kind of an informal, formal apology to those students, uh, specifically those who are people of color, black students, uh, LGBTQIA folks who were at the brunt of that abuse and uh, the pursuit of that person in that position of power. There's no excuse for it. And I just want to tell you publicly that I, as an artist citizen, that we truly want to stand by you and listen to you. uh, And we commit to doing a better job of that. And I just want to also put just a little sensor warning out there um, that if there are students that are listening to this podcast who were there at that time, at that school, who maybe would be triggered by anything that is put on this podcast, I just want to put that out there, proclaim that, that we do kind of touch on that. We do talk about some of those things, not in depth, not in, in so much detail, but I just wanted to pre- preface this episode by saying that because I care about you. I care about your mental well-being. I just hope that you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Anyway, here's Laura Dallas. We're That's on. So We're live. We're live. Also, hi. <laughs> Also, hi. Good to see you. Good to see you too. It's been a while. I know. it. I feel like I I see you on socials, but that doesn't really count. But it does. That is the benefit of social media is it allows you to at least see somebody, somebody's face. Yeah. I think the last time I saw you is I saw your last. Very Dallas Holiday. Yes. Yep. Very Dallas Holiday. Yep. I know. Okay. So how do we know each other? How do we know each other? Um, We went to school together at the Chicago College of the Performing Arts. And you were two grades below me, I think, or maybe a grade. Yeah, I went, so I entered into the freshman class below you. Yes, I know that you left and then you came back. I totally yeah. remember that. Yeah. But yeah, you you were always super talented and super oh. nice oh, and you. cool. And yeah, but I never like got to really, we weren't in any shows together, so- Anything I saw was just like from the audience and stuff like that. But you were always so great and so nice to me, um, which I really appreciated because that was an overwhelming experience. And so it's just important to be a good person during that. So, yeah. 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 We didn't really have a lot of overlap or anything like that. Right. I kind of always witnessed you and like your your talents and everything from afar and I I think you in school had this everyone had an idea of who you were and you know they kind of put that on you and I I wanted to frame this interview around you as a person and like let you kind of drive the machine because okay I think so many people think of you as she's the funny girl which you are this hilarious comedian but you have so many other talents along with that and I think it's it's, it's really hard in this business when people want to pigeonhole you and you're like, no, but I have so much more to offer. I yeah, totally. So many layers to me. So I was like, I know there's more to her. Like, I think one thing that was probably underappreciated about you in school is you are an amazing character builder. Just the way that you do your character work and whatnot. And you know everything about these characters that you build 
when you go into these worlds that you enter for any show or any anything so I, oh, I that, that was something that was very evident like I think even watching like stage door I was about to call it yeah. stage here <laughs> I mean that's <laughs> yeah no stage Shore was crazy because that was not only an accent that's the character is a Russian and then she's a yeah. pianist yeah and I was like okay and I remember that I got a call back for the lead in that role and it was me and two other girls and it was funny but it also had drama and I was like oh my god am I finally gonna get a lead and then I didn't I got the character this bizarre Russian pianist and I was like okay and I remember just being a little disappointed but then I was like you still made it in a show this is great but now this is actually a kind of a big challenge because I don't play piano I know like chords or whatever and I remember just being like everything was a sound cue so I wasn't actually playing the piano so I remember being like I want to be as prepared as possible for tech of when these sound cues come in when they don't and I remember when I wasn't being used in rehearsal I would watch people play the piano of the songs in the show that I was playing and I would try to like mimic how they were doing, like where they were on the piano. And like, obviously I'm not hitting the correct notes, but like, where are they generally? And like, how are their fingers curved? And I remember like girls walking past me, like in the hallway and they're like, are you just watching people's hands? And I was like, kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember out of rehearsal, I met with Barbara Zahora, who we love and is an amazing person. But I said, I don't know how to do a Russian accent. So there was so much like kind of on me to be like, I don't know how to do this. Mm -hmm. And she taught me how to do that. I watched how to play the piano. And then I remember the most fulfilling thing was tech came. I'm right at the beginning. I'm playing the piano. And I came off and like it fit perfectly. Everything synced up. And I was like, yes. And I made everything. I did. I didn't. But like I helped make things a little bit more smoother that day. Mm -hmm. And I remember Steve Scott, the director, being like at the end, he was like, Laura, just shout out to Laura for making like a challenging thing move a little bit quicker. And I was like, ah, that was so great. And so I always say my work ethic is, is all I got. When I got into school, I was like, I don't know how I got here because I went through the whole unified process, which is like how you audition for schools. I was rejected from all of them except for Roosevelt. And I was like, okay. And couldn't really afford it, but I was like, let's go. Let's take some loans out. Let's get in there. And I remember just being so overwhelmed with the talent of everybody. And then the upperclassmen were just like so cool and beautiful. And I was like, I can't, I don't even know what I'm doing here. But then I was like, all right, well, you are here. So let's prove yourself. And all I could do was just work super hard, almost at nauseum, where I would just rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. And I would do like our homework and stuff like that, like three months in advance because of my OCD and like just constantly doing things. But yeah, like character work and stuff. I was like, I can, I can do characters. Like I, I, I got this, which I think is why I love, um, I've been performing at uh, the annoyance and IO and doing a lot of characters with, um, and sketch and improv. And I, I really love that spot but I do love the research of it and I took it seriously because I didn't want people to be mad at me that's all what it comes back to is I'm just such a people pleaser that I really want people to like me yeah. um, which is something <laughs> I talk of a lot about in my shows I mean now I'm aware of it and I think I've always been aware of it there is a point where it's like I have to let it go but I have a ton of day job and I'm just constantly like aware of the energy that I'm bringing into the room and if it's too much or if I'm talking too much or if I'm talking too little or whatever and in school, I really wanted everyone to like me. Like I wanted, I didn't want anybody talking bad about me. I just wanted to do the very best I could do. So that is where the humor came out. And I leaned into the humor because I knew I had that trait in me mm -hmm. and I didn't let people see me sad or like be dramatic. I tried not to or cry or anything. I didn't, I didn't want to be in the classroom. I didn't want to be crying in like the middle of the exercise or whatever. I didn't want people to see that side. I only wanted them to see happy go lucky Laura. So the minute my depression or whatever would come through, people were like, are you okay? Mm -hmm. Like you're not smiling. And I'd be like, I'm fine. And then I'd be like, no, I'm totally cool. Like, <laughs> but I remember that's now a thing that I have to balance where it's like, people are like, are you ever sad? Are you ever this? Do you ever stop working? Do you ever? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a human being. <laughs> um, so I'm. Thank you for acknowledging that there is other elements of me, and I I have struggled with that a little bit because I really do love doing drama and stuff like that, and I feel like I can always really tap into it. Um, yeah. 
and like Shakespeare and whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I do realize that what makes me stand out is the work ethic, but then also the comedy. And that's what's getting me attention right now. That's what's getting me important people in my corner. Yeah. And I lean into that. And that's also what makes me happiest too. Like the stuff that I've been doing at the annoyance and writing my own sketches and doing my own improv and stuff like that with people that really accept me fully. Um, and I can be sad, you know, like if I, if I'm frustrated or something, they accept that they know that is really fulfilling and it's awesome. But yeah, it's like, as I've gotten older, as I've gotten out into the professional world, I know where my traits are. I know when I walk into a room, what is going to make me stand out then like, hundred other white girls out in the the EPA uh, (laughs) audition room. Like I know what song is going to hit. I know what I need to do to stand apart, whether I get a callback or whatever. I know that regardless, I'm always like, nobody's going to do what I'm going to do. And I like comedy wise, like just like, it's just, I just know that that is where uh, my strengths are. So Yeah. yeah, long tangent, but yeah, there is there. I'm more than that, but I also recognize that that is a huge part of what makes me special. So yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. That's a whole thing. I admire comedians so much because mm-hmm. I think comedy is so much harder than drama to tap into. Yeah, for um, sure. And I have a lot of respect for it. I do not have that skill set built up as well. And so when I see other people having that gift, I'm just amazed by them. So you are one of those people that I'm. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you, Rachel. Yeah, (laughs) of course. I mean, Um, and what's uh, crazy too, is it's like in my show too, I'm talking about myself. I mean, there is a persona I have up there. She's much more confident and she has her boobs out. Like, I mean, like the stuff that I wear and she's just so I love that. The I sparkles know. you wear. The sparkles. Yes, I the love that man. so much. And like I have a producer now and like he <laughs> buys everything for me and he pays for my makeup and he does all this stuff for me. You're kidding. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he helps like with promotion and stuff. So yeah, she's just a different persona, but at the end of the day, I'm telling pretty vulnerable stuff. And a lot of people come up to me and they're like that my parents come to every show. They're like, you said that in front of your parents and your parents. And I'm like, my parents know everything, (laughs) everything. They really do. do. And, but it's like, it is like I'm in on the joke and it's, it's stand up and it's different and Mm -hmm. it's a different thing than a character. So yeah, it's a vulnerable place. And I get pretty, pretty, uh, specifically in the halfway to 50 shows, like if there's a, always a really sad moment, everyone's laughing, everyone's laughing. Oh my God, this is so funny. This, oh, she did this. Oh my God. That's so crazy. And then I hit them with, um, I called the depression segment. <laughs> I remember the first time I did it, it was like scattered laughs. And then people realized that it like, oh no, she's, she's serious. Mm-hmm. And it was so scary because you could hear a pin drop in that room. It got so quiet and people were like stunned. I could see, you know, cause the stage at Davenport's is not, you're right there. So I can see people and suddenly I'm hearing like sniffles and then I'm here, I'm seeing people like looking down and I was like, oh my God. Like, and it was so scary because the other stuff I was like, la 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 la, like props, like j- jumping around. And then when I hit them with like, nope, this is actually part of me too. It was crazy. And each time I do that show, that is the moment that is brought up the most to me. I it's I take out the sock puppet and I it's base it's my anxiety puppet and I just say everything that I've ever said to myself basically I think I was like God is this so self indulgent and so self pitying and like I was like is this so stupid but I was like no I for whatever reason I was like no if I if I deliver correctly then it will get the point across and people consistently are like oh my God that sock puppet like that I say that that to myself all the time or. I related so much to that or related so much to this part, you know, and I, I always change it. I'm always changing songs and changing them out. And that segment, I, I'm always kind of, what's the right song choice for that? Mm-hmm. Um, because it's really soft. The mic is like right in my face. Mm-hmm. I'm cr- crying a lot of the time yeah. and it's, yeah, but that is a moment where people go, oh my God there's something else here. There's something deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, it's a roller coaster. And then I bring them back up 
with a super funny thing after, but I, that's, that's life. Like it's like, and I, and I want to show people there's more to me, which is the whole point. So anyway, ask your other question. (laughs) (laughs) I I know you have like a ton of jobs. Do you, do you want to just like list off like the jobs that you're doing now? Yeah, for sure. So I work at um, DMK Burger Bar and Fish Bar in Lakeview. Come on by. (laughs) I'm a supervisor there and I do that. And then I work at Barry's Boot Camp. It's technically just Barry's, but it's a really fancy workout place. And I'm a manager there. And then I work at Davenport's, um, the Piano Bar Cabaret. That's where I also perform uh, my shows. And I sing and I serve there. Um, and then I do, I, you know, auditioning and all that crap too. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Oh my I'm, God. I'm busy. I'm busy. Very busy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let's dig into beginning is in theater and comedy mm-hmm. and singing and dancing. How did you like get started in theater? Miraculously for whatever reason, I always knew that this is what I wanted to do. I never had that moment of what's, what am I going to do with my life or whatever? Since like elementary school, like I, before that it was like, oh, I'll be an artist, like I'll paint or what, like it's always been an artistic thing. And then I was like, no, I love little baby Laura. She loves singing. She loved doing that. And then I said, Broadway, that's what I want to do. I want to do that. And then as I got older, I really leaned into that. Cause I was like, this is, this is what I'm going to do. And so in middle school, I would do camps at children's theater in Minneapolis. It's a great theater. I would do camps there um, and, and choir and just constantly be performing and like go into my room and sing and sing for hours and hours and hours for better or worse. And then um, in high school, I took it super seriously. And I remember we had these high school theater awards, which a lot of people have all over the country. And they would, these uh, professionals from the Twin Cities would come in and they'd watch a show and they would give critique. And once I started to get leads and stuff like that, I just was like, I wanted a hundred percent. That's all I wanted from all the judges. <laughs> and, uh, that was always my goal. And I, I got a hundred percent, but it was like, people did understand it. I remember people, you know, people are in theater in high school because it's like, oh my God, it's so fun. And I'm with my friends and we're singing, we're doing Beauty and the Beast, like whatever. And I was like, yeah, this is super fun. But it's also like, I would spend every homeroom, I would go into the theater and I would just practice. Like I remember I was 80 Annie in Oklahoma and I would just run and run, can't say no. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do this bit here. Then I'm going to do this bit here. And I would just run it over and over and over again. And then in Drowsy Chaperone, it was the same thing. And Hairspray. And it was almost like at nauseum where now it's like you run it so many times and then you make a mistake on stage and you're like, oh my God, like (laughs) you idiot. Why did you, why did you do that? And it's like, no, Laura, (laughs) it's like you can, there's only so many times you can run it before it just becomes, it just leaves your brain. So, um, I've gotten better at that, but I remember just being super, super passionate about it. Freshman year, I was researching colleges and BFA programs and and making spreadsheets and being like, okay, this is where I'm going to audition. And this is unifieds. And this is this like freshman year and looking at like financial aid and stuff like that. So then I was like, once senior year hits, I'm going to be so prepared. And I'm from Minnesota. So the Twin Cities has a great theater scene. So I was meeting people there and just like really trying to make connections and kind of mentors and stuff like that. And then once I realized too that I was funny, <laughs> that sounds so weird. Um, once I realized I that is something that hits. And uh, the big thing was the Drowsy Chaperone my sophomore year of high school, sorry, junior year of high school. That was my first big role. I was the Drowsy Chaperone, which is like a Liza Minnelli, 70-year-old character. And I was like, I think I got this. Like, I don't know why. Like, I love Liza Minnelli. I knew what the character was going to be. I had all these references. Anyway, I remember just having people at school being so taken aback. I remember my dad told me that somebody in the audience was like, I can't believe they brought in a ringer for the Drowsy Chaperone. Like they actually hired a 70 year old. And I was like, somebody said that. And then he was like, I didn't say anything, but people literally <laughs> think you're like 70. And I'm like, wow. That's awesome. It was, it was so cool. And I remember we had to do this homeroom performance, which was so scary. And I remember we were all just terrified, the whole cast and I backstage. And I was like, I can't believe I'm going to go out there. And we were just doing like the opening number. And then 
um, we were going to do Aldolfo, which is a duet between Jersey Chaperone and Aldolfo. And I had to kiss the guy at the end. And I was like, I got to do this in front of the whole school. I felt like I was going to throw up. I was like going to, we were all just like shaking. But I remember doing that and just cheers and just being like, oh my God. And like, yes, it was for the whole cast, but I remember we went down the line and we had to be like, hi, I'm Laura. I play the Jazzy Chaperone and people just erupted. And then suddenly, like, I remember there was this one tweet that was like some, one of the popular girls tweeted, can I be Laura Dulles? And it got like a hundred likes. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, people like me. It all goes back to people like me. And I remember <laughs> like the football players, I'd be like in lunch. And they'd be like, Laura. And I, they like, I was like, what is happening right now? I remember one time a teacher was teaching a class and I was walking down. I was like going to the bathroom in the middle of a period or whatever. And the teacher came out of the classroom. Laura, Josie Chaperone. I can't believe you were. And I was like, don't you, aren't you teaching a class right now? Like (laughs) it was so insane. And so then I was like, okay, well maybe I'm there's something I'm doing something correct here. I just remember being like so overwhelmed with it. People like outside of school knew about it. And I was like, this is so crazy. And of course it wasn't just me. The whole production was awesome, but it was a big moment for me and really showed up my voice. And I remember it was kind of proof to my parents, not that they didn't believe in me, but like, it was like, okay, like she can do this and yeah. seeing the audience reaction and and them hearing my voice and and that I can sing and it was just like this huge moment and then I was like okay and and then I finally got into Roosevelt and I had to go through that whole audition process and it was terrible and I didn't know what I was doing and I just was like I went to New York and I remember I just did Unified's kind of by myself and I remember I had this really cute little dress on and then I was like I look so cute and then I walked in every girl had the same dress on and I was right. like Okay, cool. (laughs) I remember a girl like threw up right in front of me and then they called me into the room and I was like, okay. (laughs) She just, just projectiled all over the door. And I was like, okay, it was crazy. But then I I do remember Roosevelt's audition and being like taken aback because I did my, my monologue and my song, the same thing that I've always done. And the guy who was doing it was like, I think you're going to be really successful in this. I remember him saying that. And I was so floored because everybody else hadn't even really looked at me. And Jane Lanier was in the room too. Oh, really? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And she was just like, really supportive and she gave me like a really good note and she was like why don't you try the song again I think she wanted to see like how am I going to take direction stuff and I just remember being like taken aback by the kindness in the room and leaving and being like god that I felt like that went really good and they really saw me and that was an important thing they saw what I offered they didn't see me as just another girl with the same dress as everybody else (laughs) and then through like a miracle I got in so it's been a long journey but I never had that moment of like I don't know if I'm going to do this. Of course, I've doubted my talent and stuff like that. But for whatever reason, I was like, you'll figure it out. This is all you're good at. Like, that's really what I feel like. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. When I'm up on that stage, when I'm doing my shows or whatever, fill in the blank, I go, this is it. Like, this is what I'm good at. So um, that's kind of my journey with it all. That's just always what it's been. Yeah. I don't know why, but I got lucky. It was one less thing to like have anxiety over. (laughs) Okay, let's dig into like your experience of college and whatnot. And you kind of talked about that a little bit, but like, yeah, what was your favorite part about being in conservatory? I remember freshman year, I was in showcase rehearsal, freshman showcase rehearsal and singing this song from 13, the musical and being like, this is so cool. This is so cool because I was like, all my classes are focused on what I want to be doing. And like I said before, it's like, this is always what I've wanted to be doing. And I'm just going to get better and better and better. And I really trust all these people. I really loved my class too. I think that really helped. Like we were very close and people were really nice to me. I remember that I didn't struggle making friends or anything. And I was, you know, obviously nervous. You always go into college. You're like, who's going (laughs) to, who's going to like me or whatever. Yeah. I just remember being like, this is so cool. And I'm like, I'm going to get the most out of this. I'm spending so much money at this conservatory. Like, let's just go. And some people didn't have that mindset, which 
is totally fine. I remember like I had work study and I would stage manage all the time. So when I wasn't in the show, I was stage managing. When I wasn't stage managing, I was in a show. I was helping out with something else in the production office or I was doing like an extra thing. I was always doing an extra thing than what was probably the requirement. Right. And always trying to go above and beyond because if I went above and beyond, then people would be like, oh my God, she's such a hard worker. And like, I was like, if I go above and beyond, nothing bad could happen to me. So that was... (laughs) I don't think that that's the case, but I was always just like, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want people to be mad at me. I want the teachers to like me and I want to prove myself too. And I felt like each year, specifically sophomore year, I was like, I really settled into it. And I remember just being like, I felt like I was consistently giving good performances in class. Like I felt like the teachers were like, okay, Laura's going to come up and I feel like she's going to do a good job. Like I was getting that energy, but I had to work for it. I would see my classmates, like maybe they weren't memorized or something like that. And they would get sassed out, probably an overreaction. But I saw that. I said, hell no, I am not. I'm going to know every single word so that if they throw anything at me, I'm not going to get water in my face or hit with a yoga mat or there was all sorts of stuff that I saw that should not have happened. Yeah. But I was like, I was so terrified. And I remember freshman year too, I would wait. I would always be like the last person to go because I was like, I was so scared. But then as the years went by, I was like, I always wanted to be the first person because Mm -hmm. if I sat back and I waited too long, I'd get too in my head about it and I'd watch other people or whatever. And I was like, I just want to get it done. I want to get my part done. And then I can just sit back and, you know, like learn and watch. Cause I learned a lot just watching other people too. You get up there sometimes and it's like, I'm so in my head. I don't know what I'm doing and like, what the hell's happening. But I just remember thinking that was just so cool though, that I was like, I'm going to go to the practice rooms. I'm going to practice for like five hours. (laughs) I'm going to sing the song 30,000 times and, uh, (laughs) and not go to any parties. (laughs) and not do anything. I'm just going to practice all the time. Um, So that was another thing too, where it was like, I wasn't a partier or anything like that. I didn't drink. I I have a lot of addiction in my family. So that really terrifies me. Um, And I, that took a lot of therapy and stuff to like even have a drink. And people did not understand that. They, they couldn't really get together why I wasn't drinking, why I wasn't smoking, why I wasn't doing this. Yeah. And they and, expect they really yeah, don't. Yeah. The, and they would be, come on Lord, just like do want it's like it's not gonna and I would that scared me even more I just wouldn't go out (laughs) but I remember creating this thing called Friday fun day my freshman year which became a whole a whole thing and it was every Friday we would pick a restaurant in Chicago and we would all go there anybody who wanted to go there could go and we would go have dinner after a long week in the conservatory and it was so fun and I remember teachers started to hear about it and I would post about it and that was my way of socializing. So like I would do that. So I would like create ways to do it. I felt safe in that environment where it was like, we're going to order burgers. We're going to, you know, go down to X checker (laughs) and we're just going (laughs) to do our thing. And then it would be like eight o'clock and I'd be like, okay, they'd all go to their party. I'd be like, bye Mm -hmm. guys. And it would be like this funny thing. And then I remember pushing myself to go to the parties finally, because I was like, I feel like me not going is actually causing more anxiety. If I just go and kind of like force myself into to it. And I remember my first party, people were like, Oh my God, what are you doing here? Like, Hey, like, are you okay? Like, how are you doing? Are you? And it was like, I'm like, I'm fine. Like, I just remember people were overly nice. Like, Hey girl, like if you need anything at all, like, <laughs> like, okay, I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> and I started to do this thing called Laura's party update where I would force myself to go to a party, but then I would just like on Snapchat, I would do like, Hey, I'm hanging in the corner right now. This is kind of highlights of the party. I would do <laughs> getting ready with me and about my anxiety levels. And like, I really don't want to go to this, but you know, whatever, there's a cute boy there. So I'm going to go or like, I would do like this whole thing. And people would be like, Laura's party. Are you going to come to the party this weekend and do Laura's party? update?" <laughs> I remember that. I'd be like, I don't no, maybe. <laughs> and I remember like the crushes I would have in school would be like Laura's party update. Like that's so funny. And I'd be like, really? Like that's, I don't know even know what I'm, I don't even know what I'm doing. Like, it's just so weird, but I would create little things like that 
Or I'd be like, okay, well, at least I can do Laura's party update, or at least I can do Friday fun day, or at least I can do this. And I remember just finding all these kind of like little ways creating my own experience. Yeah. Because there was just a lot of anxiety there. And like dating in the conservatory too, that was always just like, just, uh, was just, uh, and like just terrible. (laughs) I hadn't really dealt with boys in high school. Like I had dealt with boys, but it was like, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to really, I was so focused on like school and like my career was so crazy in high school that I was like, I remember boys being like, oh my God, like Josie Chaperone, I found her kind of like attractive. Is that like so weird? Or like I, they would ask me to dances and I'd be like, no, I don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to go to the dance. <laughs> and, I would be, and I look back on it now and I'd be like, Laura, like I remember this guy gave me like an envelope to the dance. Like it was like an invite. And I said, I'm not going to open this. Like you can have it back because I was like, I don't think I really believed that they were asking me like I was like there's no way like this is a prank like nobody actually wants to go to these dances with me or whatever so in in college once I I started to get male attention I was like what the F is happening and they would like gossip with the other people and be like oh my god Laura didn't respond back to my DM or whatever I'd be like I was supposed to respond back to that like (laughs) I was like what but then I would go on these dates and they would go horrible and I'd be like, and then I'd have to see them oh, around the God. conservatory. And it was always awkward oh, and pining for boys that just like would not, they only just saw me as buddy, buddy, Laura, like just giving me like nuggies and I'd be like, no. oh I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. I just, that was a whole thing too, where it was like, this is the dating of it all and how this works. It's not like you had a huge college campus where it's like, no. okay, well, they're like a, a finance major. You know, it's like, no, we're all doing the same thing. Yeah. Oh, look at he's in hair and he's naked now. And I'm like, what is happening? I feel yeah. like so yeah. weird. Well, and too, like, it's awkward because there's only like 50 of us in each class year. Once you get to like sophomore, junior year. Right. It's really awkward. Okay, we're back. Listener, did you miss that? (laughs) Love that. Nine minutes. Nine minutes never felt so long. I know. I know. All right. Okay, what's the next question before they cut us off again? Well, where did we leave off this thing? We were talking about- Oh, yeah, boys. I was talking about boys. Oh, God, I can't have boys in school. Yeah, dating in the conservatory. uh, Yeah, I just- It was a swing and a miss. A swing and a miss. Oh my God. And then after school, I would, you know, like after we graduated, I was like, maybe it will be different now. Now we're not around each other. Maybe they'll want to spend time with me. And I remember I got so close one time. I was so close. (laughs) And it was just like, like I got the date, like this guy had been pining for, for like all school, like the minute freshman year I saw him, I got four years I got out of school and then I remember he booked a show with my best friend and for whatever reason that summer something happened and he got a crush on me and he told my friend and I remember just being like oh my god a freshman year Laura could see me now and I remember just being like "Ah," and like screaming and then we went on a date and it was like the best date and then it just it and then I remember, like, I met his grandma, and it was, like, this whole oh my gosh. thing. And then he moved to L.A., and now he doesn't live here anymore. Uh, but it, that was a great moment. That was, you know, what could have been. But anyway, I was, like, but I think it helped that we were outside of school, that I left school, and I was, like, okay, now she's, like, an adult. I don't know why that <laughs> clicked. Yeah. Well, and two, like, I don't know if you saw this in the questions, but I kind of named it life after the bubble because right. conservatory life is quite literally, it's like you're in this pressure cooker. There is nobody else you're seeing during that time. And I just feel right. like all of these different opinions from so many different people and you you spend all of your time together. It's, it is so much harder to try and first of all, date, like have good relationships with all of these people because you spend so much time together. It really, it, it, I always thought it was like super, super fucked up that our professors called it we're just a big old happy family and it's yeah that's kind of sick and twisted but at the same yeah. time it's like spend so much time together it's almost like you are family in a weird way yes like um, a weird, weird dysfunctional anxiety filled incestuous 
high, <laughs> weird, drunk bubble. Like, I don't yeah. know what is happening. People would like go to and party. And then on Monday, it would be like, okay, so what happened this weekend? Well, so-and-so hooked up with this person. And then this person dropped acid. And then this person, and it would be like, what happens when I leave you guys? I'm like, I watched The Office for the 59th time this weekend, but I guess <laughs> whatever. Um, Live your life. I remember though, always just being like, I always did kind of love, like, give me the rundown. Like what? I loved the tea yeah. because I felt kind of disconnected from it. So I was like, yeah. I did like to know though. I was like, who is with who so that I know and I don't, or did they break up? Cause that happened a couple times, a bunch of times. Yeah. I'd be like, oh my God, did you have fun with, did you, I don't know, go to so-and-so with this person and they'd be like oh no we broke up like over the summer or what I just remember being like oh my god I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I did not know that <laughs> or I'm gay now congratulations that's so great why did I date you <laughs> okay I'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> I should have known <laughs> anyway it, I had a good experience though I know a lot of people who did not and they have such valid opinions, yeah. specifically me being a white woman in that conservatory, a straight white woman, people pleaser galore. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. You know, the teachers liked me because I did literally everything. The program was catered to someone like me. So, which is unfortunate. And so I completely understand why many of my awesome friends who are, who do not look like me, who do not identify as me, <laughs> uh, struggled and had valid concerns. And obviously at that point, our Dean was problematic as well. So yeah. there was just a lot going on. So I got a lot out of it, but because you graduated with him still being the dean, right? Right. And then uh, my best friend, Leo, was one of the people who got him out yeah. and really pushed that movement, um, which is amazing. But I remember just feeling kind of just so weird about that situation because obviously I believed everything. It was so sad. But then being like, that was a person that really supported me and was always like my number one fan. Yeah. And being like, that blows. And then I'm like, was I blind? Like, what? the hell I remember just feeling like so like just feeling so stupid because I was like why did I I don't know believe in him or whatever and I so stood with you know all the people who were speaking out of course but then it just was like oh, this is so uncomfortable too because it's like he was vocally somebody who supported me he got me into that school and was always my number one fan like, and would always go out of his way and, and get me these really great opportunities because he really saw how hard I was working and what I did and, and somebody who believed in me. And it just, just it, it's so twisted that there was something so dark in there. Yeah. And I just felt kind of just stupid for like not seeing it, but like, I don't know. Hear that you're like saying that you feel stupid for that, but like, I hope that you can at least have some grace for yourself and release yourself from any idea that you were stupid in that but I think you saw a completely different side of this person I did I it was a completely I never saw anything yeah. I will say though but you would hear rumblings like you'd hear rumors or whatever and I just I just felt like I didn't treat it with the level of um importance that it should have in school like when people would say something and I'd be like no there's no way and I would kind of invalidate it mm -hmm. and that you know I look back on that and Obviously, I can't change that. And I remember thinking, being like, no, like, he's so nice and, and blah, 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 and thinking it. And the fact that I even thought it was just, like, such a bummer. And I, and, you know, it's a learning experience. Yeah. As, once again, being a white woman, you being a white woman, like, it's just, like, I felt like I was the perfect person to be catered towards his affections, too. Yeah. It's, like, I would, it's just, that was another element of it. I didn't see a lot of my Black friends or any other person that didn't look like me or identify in the realm that I'm in getting yeah. the level of attention that they were that he was giving me yeah. and that's not fair yeah. and I'm just happy now that it seems like they really have been taking the the problems of the past 
and trying to change it. It's in the conversation. I was just talking, I was at an audition the other day and I got to talking to somebody. We were about to go into the room and he he just started talking to me and he was like, oh, I'm, I left school. You know, like I, I had class all day and now I'm at this audition, blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, where do you, I saw his Roosevelt badge and I said, oh my God, Roosevelt, like blah, blah, blah. And he was just telling me that he was like, they're, I don't know who their new dean is. No, it's Barbara. So it's like, their dean is Barbara. It's an all-female team right now, like head of musical theater, head of drama, head of dance. It sounds like, obviously, the problems are not completely solved, but it sounds like they're in the conversation and they're being taken seriously. And all the problematic people from my time seem to be gone. So I don't know that completely, but for the most part, it seems to be the case. And because I work at Davenport's too, a ton of Roosevelt people come in and a lot of teachers do gigs there. And I love getting the tea. (laughs) I love, I'm like, what's happening? George (laughs) Howe and I are super close. I love love hearing. Yeah. I love hearing um, stuff from him. So I'm happy that it seems to be getting better because I I really did learn a lot there. I I became a better performer. I I busted my ass to learn (laughs) as much as possible. So in that regard, yes. Did I need to have see my classmates get water poured on them and yoga mats hit in their heads and like screamed at like from the depths of hell like and that didn't need to happen and what's so interesting Rachel too is now that I'm doing a lot of comedy um and going to a bunch of different theaters it's just so funny because like a comedy performer can come from a bunch of different realms like I'm a kind of a unique brand where I've like I've come from a conservatory like I'm and I have such a a rigorous training (laughs) That these guys are like, they're showing up late. They're, you know, they don't know their lines until they rip right before they go on. And it's like, you guys have no clue. Like, yeah. I, and that's, I mean, I love that they're so chill and it's awesome. Yeah. But yeah. there is such a, I have this kind of reputation now where I'm very professional. All my lines are memorized. Yeah. I come in with choices. I'm in charge of the props for our show too. So, and I have like spreadsheets and like all this stuff like that Tim Sadler taught me how to do. And people were like, whoa, like this is crazy. And I was like, why am I like this? And it's like, oh, school. (laughs) I'm like, it's just so funny to watch a performer that did not have that training and that kind of level of fear. (laughs) It's just so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think think too, I I just want to like say too, we were... 18 to like 22 21 23 year olds you know like very young age our frontal cortex is not fully formed and you're a young adult but you don't quite yet know how to deal with those things and Mm -hmm. I man it I mean it really sucks because it's not a broken system the system is working the way it's supposed to which is rooted in racism and our institution was a byproduct of that and I you know me growing up in spaces that I've grown up in is definitely byproducts of that and this is something that not only Josiah and I talked about but also um Julie and I kind of talked about uh in our episodes is theater is a very elitist very classist Mm-hmm. form totally and the institutions that people go into to train for it are also very classist and elitist and right. so our school was no different this does not excuse the trauma that they went through or that anything that they experienced because it wasn't just one person just that no one. it was multiple people was multiple yeah. people and yeah. unfortunately us being coming in as young people we're a little unaware of how to combat that because we are totally. on her age of being adults. And so how I, I came from a very Southern state where it's like, I, you don't speak up, you don't talk back against authority or anything like that. So me coming in, I, I, I am witnessing some things and I'm like, this feels very uncomfortable. And also our privilege, we just didn't understand at a, like, I right. did not understand there was a lot of traumatic experiences for a lot of people. Um, Right. But because our school was so committed to social justice. Right. So bizarre. Right. It is really fucked up that that is like the other side of it. The core. Yeah. But I just was like, oh man, like we are really privileged to go to a school like this because that being in the title, like we are now committed to this. We are like, we are artist citizens, you know, and we, we have to, we have to educate ourselves, white people specifically, we have to educate ourselves and we have to 
um, stand by these people that we are literally taking class with who are literally our colleagues, you know? And so I don't excuse or don't say that anything that happened at school was done in vain. I think we are, the school is definitely on a trajectory that is better, but man, there's so much that's a big reflection of our system And there's so much that like can change in our world too that needs to change. Ultimately, I have to say and like also echo what you said about I was very privileged in that school. And so I probably had a far better experience than a lot of my peers. And I, I think in a lot of ways that probably ruined their experiences. It really like breaks my heart because I wish they had, I wish they had a different experience. Even though all of that took place, I think we have taken some steps, especially here in Chicago, to prioritize stories for people of color, stories of joy, um, and stories uh, that have a very diverse and inclusive panel, have a very diverse and inclusive table and and team and whoever sure. has hands in the process. We're moving towards that. We're yeah, not sure yet, but we're moving towards that. And then there's so much that I can't speak on. And I would love to like sit down with some of my colleagues who are people of color, who are queer, who are black you totally should yeah and and, and get their their take on it because it is hard for me I've always struggled talking about school fully too when people ask me what my experience is like or talking to current students there or whatever because it it is there's so many layers to it because I look back on it pretty fondly Mm -hmm. um specifically all the people I met and the performances and all of that Mm -hmm. but there is a lot of darkness there too there's a lot of sadness um, and a lot of, there's a lot of pain there. And I notice a lot of my classmates now you look back and they don't speak fondly of school. They don't. Um, a lot of people don't. Yeah. It's just a complicated conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it would be really interesting if you talk to them. Yeah. And um, I, will, I, that's something that I'm definitely going to prioritize. Cause I think those, those are the conversations that need to be had too. I it, agree. A thousand. EFA, musical theater, the acting, that whole thing is just so overwhelming. And you're so right too. It's like, you get into that school. You're like, okay, I guess this is what acting is. I guess yeah. this is what I have to do to become a better performer. You so desperately for me, I was so desperately wanted to be better yeah. improve myself that I just nodded and, and did it. Right, um, right. And the people that spoke up were penalized for that. And they that's were. just not yeah. how it's supposed to be. I, I love that you brought that up. I love that you are very are aware of what happened, what took place, even behind closed doors and even like stuff that was like, and I know that it's because you are so connected to your class and because like, you really do enjoy people. And I think like, as a, a, a recovering people pleaser myself, I understand yeah. that it's, <laughs> You like wanting to be liked by people is because you have such admiration for people and it's because you, you adore them. And so like you maintain and have good relationships with all the people in your life because you care about them. And so that, that speaks highly to your character. I admire your, your awareness and your commitment to standing with your peers and your colleagues and fighting yeah, for sure and alongside them and, um, yeah. and listening to them. I think you are really good. You are really good at that. Like listening to the people in your life. Yeah. I mean, I try to be, and I think I still have, a. I could do so much more. I always feel like I never am doing enough, but it is important to listen. And my family is so bad at listening that I actively have to be like, Laura, shut up. Listen, like, listen, take in the words. You don't have to be talking right now. I think also my best friend being such a activist and being such a leader and showing me so many things and waking me up in so many regards to things that I hadn't really noticed or taken in. And yeah, I think that I owe a lot of it to them too. I don't take that for granted at all. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm so aware of my people pleasing <laughs> that I'm really trying to work on it. But I also, or we're in a career where you have to constantly be making connections and constantly putting yourself out there. And that's another part of it too. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, I'm very aware of it. Mm-hmm. And it's just a balancing act. I just, it's hard to when people, so many, not so many people, but I've had a couple comments of people being like, I've never heard anybody say a bad word about you ever. And I'm like, that's great. 
But I mean, like, that's such a hard standard to keep. Then I'm like, okay, so if somebody says one bad thing about me, then I've lost, like, then I've lost it. I've lost that whatever yeah. bubble. So also yeah. the job of actors is like to not, and I have to, I have to untrain myself from this as well because this is a people pleasing tendency that got me into acting. Is like we also the way that we'll succeed is not being objective or trying to be objective to what other right. people want. Totally. Like, and and I feel like, you know, when you are the truest to yourself, and I've seen this, like, when you are the truest to yourself, like, you kind of keep your head down and do your own thing, you know, and people respect that and admire that and look up to that. And they should do the same thing, you know, and like, right. obviously, it doesn't mean that you're not interacting with people. It just means that, like, you're not really concerned with trying to, like, go out of your way to please someone else. So, well, I think that's the the magic of these shows, too. Forever, I didn't want a director. I didn't want any collaborator. I mean, I have my music director, Mickey, who helps to a certain regard but I mean it's all me yeah and I wanted it to be that way I said I don't want another person in here I don't want somebody yelling at me I mean I don't want people telling me this isn't funny this is funny I I was like I know it these are my stories these are my characters I'm singing the song the way I want to sing the song yeah and I'm just gonna see what the hell happens but I'm happy with this and that was so fulfilling and extremely terrifying because I was like, I'm doing stand up on material that I haven't workshopped in front of an audience, but I didn't want to. I was like, this is what I, this is how I want to say it. And now that I've been doing the show more and it's been getting more buzz and stuff like that. Now I do have the producer and I, you know, and all of that, but they always are like, Laura, at the end of the day, it's your show. So if you don't like what we're giving you, if you don't like this and I go, great. And if they give me a joke or a joke idea and I don't like it, then I go, no, I don't. I'm like, I, I, I know where you're getting at. I'm going to mm-hmm. tweak it and make it my own. Cause I, yeah. it's just like, that's not my voice. And hey, I'm the same I with my, that. yeah. And I'm the same with my sketches too. If I really believe in a sketch, like there was one sketch a couple weeks ago and I pushed it and they weren't getting it. And I was like, no, this is funny. Like you have to trust me. Like it's going to play well. And they let me do it. And it got a huge response. People love. I mean, the audience seemed to really enjoy it. And I was so fulfilled because I was like, okay, I really pushed it. I Just because somebody said no, or they didn't even say no. It was just like, there was a hesitation. Mm-hmm. And I think initially I'd be like, okay, well, we don't, it's fine. It's like, it's not a big deal. We don't have to do it. And I was like, no, I want to do it. Like, this is a good sketch. Like, I'm just not maybe explaining it correctly, but you have to trust me on it. Mm-hmm. So there, there is improvement. <laughs> there is improvement happening in my professional life and in, in my personal as well. So it's a never ending journey really, but yeah. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like too that these shows that you've been doing, self-producing, self-creating, self-writing, you know, all this stuff, this is the best thing for you as a person, you as a Laura Dellis, the individual, and a really amazing thing to forward your career as Laura Dellis, the actor, the artist, citizen, right. you know, it sounds like this is the best thing, not to like therapize you or anything. It sounds like this is an amazing thing to kind of heal that people-pleasing tendency. Totally. Of, like, I, I, I know I'm funny. I know I have the chops. Like I know what will work, what will land or like, you know, I'm going to try this out and I'm going to do this. And if it doesn't, it's okay. I can rework it, you know? Right. And I think like, I think that's amazing because it, it is like all dependent on what you want versus like right. trying to like be objective. And yeah, I really do think that that you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's probably like helped a lot for those people pleasing tendencies. Well, and also um, really trusting the talent that I have. I, I just feel like forever, I just was like, my voice isn't that great. I'm not, I don't know, just didn't trust it because I didn't want to be cocky. That was always my fear. I didn't want to be cocky. I didn't want to be overly confident. I didn't want people to think that about me. And through working at Davenport too, just performing constantly there and then starting these shows, And there is a new confidence in me and a new trust in the talent. And then people, you know, professionals and and managers being like, no, you have something and, and going on the radio and, and meeting these, the guy turned down SNL like three times is saying, I think you have it. And I'm like, what? Like, this is so crazy. Like, (laughs) and I want to stop him and be like, no, you're wrong. (laughs) But I'm like, maybe, maybe he's right. Like, maybe I do have something like, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been quite the journey. Um, and I'm only at the beginning of it, but it seems to be working. So that's exciting. 
Well, and yeah. some of the best artists to have, you know, there are so many people that can do it by the book and they can like, they can just go and audition and book jobs and stuff like that. And then there's yeah. other people who like, that wasn't me. It's, it's definitely <laughs> not wasn't me. me. Well, and it's like, you got to find those outlets, like those things that you're still creating and still being creative. I know you're not doing it to like make people look at you or try and get your foot in the door or anything like that. You're doing it because you want to be creative and you're doing it because you're an artist and you were meant to create. And the publicity doesn't, doesn't hurt you. No, it doesn't hurt. But then no. of course that is part of it too. Like I'm not being cast in things. Yeah. I'm getting better now, but it's like, this is a way for people to see me and to see what I offer. Yeah. And in a way that is completely my own, I'm completely myself. I'm completely, I've curated this image of me. Yeah. I'm going to choose the songs that fit me, that are funny, that are explicit and fun. And I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And um, that's how I want people to see me. Um, and so that's, what's really exciting is I, people are seeing the material that I have control over. And that's, what's yeah. really exciting about it. Yeah. I feel like you've kind of touched on each of these a little bit, but I would love to hear if you could share like really quickly what what is your big dream? Like what is your idea of Lord Ellis making it? I have been asked this a couple times over the last couple months and it's confusing it's a confusing answer because I don't want to sound <laughs> crazy. I don't want to sound like I'm aiming so high that surely she'll never make that. Like, nope. it sounds insane. Aim high. Aim high. You know, she, and it's, it's, like, it's your dream. You know, like, speak it into existence. You know? I mean, you honestly, yeah. honestly, it would be like a Saturday Night Live. Like, that would be, that would be it. But it sounds insane yeah. because that's a one in a million shot. No, but the thing is, is that, that I'm- Lord Ellis. <laughs> it's not, it's not, especially with you. I mean, I've always been obsessed with that and, 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 and the people who are in that and they're all of their content. And I, I, there's just something about it where recently I've, I've, and I think it's just because I've been at IO and second, at second city and all that stuff. And I just feel like, I don't know, I can see it in my head and I don't know. I, can see I feel like that for you and people have told me that. And, and, and the fact that people who who are around SNL have said stuff. And I, I just, I don't know if they've said stuff to me that I, I go, okay, maybe there's something there, but then it's always, you know, Broadway. And, and then I love TV and film too. Like I want to do, I want to do all of it, but yeah. it sounds insane saying it out loud. I think it all the time. I think about it constantly. I'm that. like, it's all, you know, that's all stuff I want to do. Yeah. Um, But it sounds so crazy to say it out loud but that is it that's the dream and and if not SNL something in that realm like an Abbott Elementary an office like something where it's like a great TV show like that I want that level I want it and I I'm doing everything I can to try to be good enough for that level and and have confidence in myself that maybe I could reach that level and it, it honestly it's these professionals who have who have said I could see you on this. I could, I want to help you get to this point that now I'm like, well, maybe I could, but I don't know if I would have really believed that had I not done these shows, had people notice me, have people be like, take me under their wing and be like, I helped Rachel Brosnan get her Emmy for Miss Maisel. And now I want to help you. And I go, what? It's just like, I want to be like, are you sure? Like, I, like, what's wrong with so you? Humble. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but then I'm like, no, I, they, I'm doing something right. Mm -hmm. But that is the goal. <laughs> it sounds so yeah. weird. That is the goal. Yeah. Um, and, and I know, I know it's hard to realize that yeah. words coming out of your mouth, because I feel the same way about my dreams and what I want to do. But I think the thing is right. we can speak curses over our life or we can speak blessings and it's like, you right. can choose which one you want to do. And who am I to say, of course, but like, I, I just hope like you'll believe it for yourself as well. You know, Thank you, Rachel, I really appreciate that. That's so sweet. I'm getting there. I yes. <laughs> Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's a crazy it dream, crazy. but I, I believe, I somehow believe that, you know, if not that something in that realm, that yeah. would be a dream. Okay. Listener, we're back again. <laughs> I love that you what do that. Did every you, time. <laughs> what did you do in your break? <laughs> what did I do in my break? Yeah. 
I use the restroom and uh, yeah. I post about you, obviously. Oh my God. Yes, you did. Gotta talk about cool. my star. Oh my God. <laughs> what? Me? <laughs> more, more. Stop. <laughs> Stop it. Stop. I kind Stop of keep going. That applause button was like, oh, oh like for my Carly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe one day <laughs> one day a couple more episodes under your belt you'll get that yeah. remote yeah. I know I'm yeah I'm really kind of hoping uh this will get better let's wrap it up yeah let's wrap it up some rapid fire questions a little game at the end okay okay uh, so uh what is your favorite song right now um my favorite song right now is probably um I'm that girl from Beyonce's Renaissance I love that song. I play it every day on my way to my day jobs. And I go, you will not get to me today. Oh, no, you won't. Um, <laughs> she also just released a new single, too, called My House. That is also my favorite song right now. I haven't listened to that one yet. I'll have to listen. Yeah, it just came out on Friday, and it's Sunday, and it's super good. I love you, Beyonce. She's listening. <laughs> She's listening. She always does. She's listening. She always She's does. so supportive of me. Yeah. Um, What is the worst gift you've ever received? That's hard. I feel like I get... Santa really likes me. So Santa <laughs> always gets me really good gifts. I would say probably my grandma or my Nana. She wasn't, she wasn't that great of a person. <laughs> she was kind of silly. She's fine. She's, she's looking up. All uh, right. <laughs> I'm so mean. <laughs> I'm so mean. No, she's fine. But she, uh, she gave me like this tracksuit when I was like in elementary school and it smelled like smoke. And it smelled really bad. It was like this leopard jumpsuit. That kind of looked like a cheetah girl, but it was not it. And I never wore it. <laughs> oh, Because my. it didn't fit me. And it smelled really bad. And she wasn't that great. So I... <laughs> Oh she my. loved me. She loved me. She just didn't get me. Oh. Uh, but uh, that was probably the worst one. <laughs> wow. wow. That's iconic. Yeah. Well, yeah. Leopard print track suit. That smells like smoke. <laughs> yeah. I guess also a psychic told me that she's my spirit guide now. So she's always with me. I was told that randomly that she oh has gosh. to do penance for the way she treats people on earth. Oh. And I've been assigned. So she's always with me now. Hey Nana! <laughs> now she's now Laura's looking up. She's always whenever I say her name, she she's always in the room. Is that funny? I'm like of all of the people, what the hell? That's awesome! Oh my gosh! Well, I know. Anyway, Nana's making her penance. She now. loves this episode. She's just she's she loves number it. two fan. Yeah, number two exactly. Oh man, um, what is your guilty pleasure late night treat? Um, goldfish crackers. I love goldfish crackers. Um, I've always loved goldfish crackers. I'll, I eat them not at night. I eat them all the time. I love them and they love me and <laughs> I love them. I've been eating them since I was a baby and I still eat them all the time. They're so good. I, I posted a video of my family's cat. Apparently he eats goldfish and, um, Cheez-Its now. Oh, so he, he, I set one just like down in front of him and he just like, crouched on oh, they know. They know. They, they know. know. They, they know, know what's up. <laughs> um, and then, oh, that's a good segue. If you were in a dog, what kind of dog breed would you be? I would be, you remember that movie, The Artist, the black and white movie? It yes. came out a couple of years ago. It was a yes. silent movie. It won Best Picture. Yeah. There's a little doggy in that. Oh my gosh. And look him up. Okay, I'm gonna he's look a up. little, he knows how to work a camera. He's fun. He's cute. I would be that dog. Okay. Um, <laughs> I would be that dog or like um, a dog from like a Disney cartoon, um, like Pluto. I'd be Pluto um, from Disney Pluto? or Goofy, okay. who's well, also a dog too. So uh, he, his name is Uggy. Uggy, he died. Yep, and he died a couple years ago. He did. So sad. <gasps> but he's a Russell Terrier, which is funny that you said this dog because when I, like, wrote this question, I was thinking, oh, maybe she'll say, like, this or that or the other. But I kind of view you as a Russell Terrier. I feel oh, like my so, gosh. Well, there you so, go. They're, That's they're, me. I feel like Russell Terriers are total, like, people-pleasing dogs, too. I heard they're a little crazy too. Just just like, a little, but like the fun kind of crazy. <laughs> just the like fun, just yeah. energetic, and they know how to have fun and they know yeah. how to light up a room. I agree. I think that's so great. I feel like, yeah, I feel like 
the way I describe my crazy to people is like, I'm not like the slasher tires, you know, um, right. kind of, you know, burn your clothes on the lawn kind of crazy. I am fully like the fun kind of crazy. Like you'll just like laugh at me and think I'm a goofy good time. Um, it's just, there's always just a little tinge of anxiety in yeah. everything that I say. <laughs> <laughs> just a that. little taste <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Um, uh, what's so the next one your, oh, that's the last one that's the last that's question the oh, but you have your show coming up so yes. go ahead and plug that for us okay it's called a very Dallas holiday it's different than my other shows I I've only done it one other time and this year it's uh, different than last year. So if you came last year, this new show is going to be totally different in many regards. But basically the premise is we will not just be celebrating Christmas. We will be celebrating every holiday of the year or almost every holiday of the yeah. year. And it's super fun. And it's stand-up comedy. It's singing. It's me. It's silly. And but there's heart in it. Yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. a little bit of heart. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we go through the year holiday wise. And I just tell all these ridiculous stories and sing a bunch of pretty raunchy songs this year. This is a spicy one, yeah. uh, which is fun. I love because in real life, I don't really swear a ton and I don't really say things like that. I love finding a song where it's just like, just f word after <laughs> i just love it because people are so shocked and i love that my parents see it <laughs> i love it i love the whole thing so you guys gotta come all the cool people are coming rachel's gonna be there she's gonna bring like 15 people it's gonna be I'm awesome gonna 15 people and, 15 to 20 at yeah, least 15 yeah. to 20 people so that yeah. half of the room <laughs> And uh, when is it? It's on the 17th of December. It's on the 17th. So it's two weeks from today. Uh, so uh, we're recording this on December 3rd. Yeah, 3rd. Yeah, mm-hmm. so two weeks. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. It's Yay. so close. Yeah, um, but I'm yeah, so please it. come. Please, please come. Yeah. What time is it? It's at seven o'clock. Usually it's at eight, but so this time it's at seven. Um, it's going to be great. It's going to be, it's going to be Christmas. will be almost here. You guys are going to be on Christmas, your jammies, and you're going to want to drink some cocoa and come laugh with me. And it's going to be super great. And you can, uh, buy tickets through Davenport's website or my website, lauradellis.com or my Instagram with the link in my file, all sorts of ways to buy. Just please buy it in advance because it usually sells out. Yeah, it's true. You, you normally sell out each year, which is amazing. So great yeah. about that. And then yeah. sometimes they'll try and like fit extra people in if they can, but yeah, that's, yep. it's difficult, but yeah. That's that they do. Yeah. And then what else are you doing? You have that show coming up and then you have another show with Annoyance. Yes, I'm in um, a sketch show called Motorcycle Rocket Ship. It's a multimedia sketch show. We do digital sh- shorts. We do live action. <laughs> <laughs> all sorts of fun stuff I'll sometimes I sing and do funny stuff in there but it's a really good comedy show somebody said it was the best sketch show in Chicago that's all I want to say but it's really great it's an amazing group of people I'm just a very small piece in that puzzle I'm so honored to be in it uh the next show is on the 12th and um and then we will be moving to the main stage in the new year and we'll be on Thursday nights so that is really exciting um and then I do uh improv as well with off-brand funeral bands if you're ever seen some improv we might be there um and just auditioning and hopefully there'll be more things in the docket lots of exciting things to come there will be yeah some really cool things happening in 2024 yeah so there you go i yeah I'm so excited for you. I like thank you. It's always I, it's such a blast to like see what you're doing and what you're up to, and just know that like I'm always rooting for you. I know everyone's always rooting for you, and really hoping that you you know succeed and you make it, and you will. Like I thank truly you. believe that. Yeah. Oh, you're the best. Thank you. I need you in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> just pull me really? out when you're feeling a little. I know it's just a little bit blue, a little low. I just yeah. I'll pull you out. Thank you, Rachel. This has been, this has been such a blast. It's such a great idea. I love the name of it. I love everything about it. This is going to be great. I wish nothing but success for you. I appreciate it. Okay. Okay. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to who's got biz buzz this week. We had such a blast. I just want to say also, if you haven't already, please please, please, please share this podcast. That would help me out 
greatly. I would love to start a following, love to get more people involved. Right now, I've just interviewed a bunch of people that I went to school with who I think are amazing. And I would love to branch out and love to get more people on the pod, more people interested, but also share this with your friends. I would love for them to hear what's going on in these amazing performers' lives. So thank you so much. Your support means everything to me. This podcast is brought to you by Free 99. (laughs) It is a completely free podcast that I do in my own time. So please, please, please share. I would love to get to a point of having some ads on here as well. So if you spread this podcast, we can finally get to that point of getting some promotions on here. So maybe my efforts won't be done purely for myself and the people on this podcast. Thank you so much. Have a awesome week.